Welcome to another episode of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, your home for the latest news and analysis from the world of college hoops. Back again are your hosts, Josh Burton, Phil Dexter, and Peyton Burton. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode 123. And I'm, of course, your host, Josh Burton. Joining me again today, Fresh off the heels of a holiday weekend, is my friend and yours, Peyton Burton, Phil Dexter. Fellas, how was the Thanksgiving weekend for you? Uh, it was good. Ate a lot of food. Watched a lot of basketball this week. Uh, we had some crazy shit happen this week with upsets and some incredible games. Um, it was not a good sports week for me because fucking well, Louisville basketball continue to take L's. They fucking finished last place, as Corey predicted. Son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> By the way, don't you have, hold on, don't you have something on top of the show today to do? I'll I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Hopefully I can stall it and y'all can forget and I won't do it. But I'll I'll do it later. Um, And then fucking Kansas had to take a, get a buzzer beater to beat Wisconsin, then get drugged by Tennessee in a championship game. And then going to football-wise, fucking Louisville got beat by Kentucky by 13 at Kentucky. LSU blew their chances of making the college football playoff, getting drugged by Texas A&M. Phil, if you drop that L one more fucking time, I'm kicking you out of this damn lobby. Fuck y'all. Kiss my ass. <laughs> so, Phil, how was your... <laughs> um... Yeah, thankfully, I didn't have as rough of a sports week, but I, none of my teams have played yet. So <laughs> the Packers will probably get the shit kicked out of them today and yeah. uh, we'll all be on the same level. But no, I, I had a great time seeing friends and family. Um, it's been just been a busy week between all the uh, basketball and college football. And I mean, what more could you ask for? We had NFL all day on Thursday as well. It's just this is one of the best sports weeks of the year, to be honest. It's probably right up there with, you know, March Madness. Um, and just about anything else you could come up with. Well, not to mention the World Cup this time of year right now. Been low. I mean, if you can see behind me on my screen, I've got Canada, Croatia playing right now. Um, the USA team did us proud Friday, even in a draw. Um, they did us proud. Uh, very proud to be American as far as that goes. I thought they played well. But other than that, man, I've been sick of shit. I was telling you guys off air. Uh, Wednesday, get off work early. Ill, Ill Thursday on Thanksgiving. Feel a little better Friday, and I wake up yesterday and have this nasty sinus infection I'm dealing with. So I apologize if I don't sound the same. I'm going to try to keep my energy levels up. But I hope you guys all had a great Thanksgiving out there. We talked about it last week. Hopefully, you spent it with time the people that matter the most to you family, non family, friends, blood, not whoever it was. I hope you spent time with them. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that episode 123 of the Everything College Basketball Podcast is presented by the House Enterprise and in part with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com, for more info. We've talked about it all the time. We have the best selection of writers, analysts, podcasters covering the world of college basketball, top to bottom. That's where you'll find us over there. That's where you'll find Phil, who plays double duty for us and House of College Hoops as a writer and a correspondent. Um, I'm over there as an occasional writer. It's a great collection. Again, go to house-enterprise.com for all the info that you'll want to find over there. Also, I'd be remiss if I didn't shout out our special title sponsor of Everything College Basketball this season, Beauty to Beast Nutrition, located in downtown Edinburgh, Indiana. It's a healthy juice bar. 
They've got your protein coffees. They got your skinny shot teas, everything under the sun that is good and healthy for you without all the nasty side effects that regular sugary caffeinated drinks bring you. If you stop in and tell me CB sent you, you'll get 10% off your entire purchase. Doesn't matter how many drinks you get. Tell Natasha or whoever's working that day. ECB sent you for a flat 10% off your entire purchase. Now that the housekeeping is out of the way, fellas, um, what a, we talked about it feast week last week, coming into this week, how massive these games are, all the MTEs that we enjoy. And by the way, they deliver. They always deliver. Fun times. Uh, we can jump in wherever you guys want to jump into, Maui, Battle for Atlantis, uh, wherever you want to jump into. But before we do that, Peyton, I, I know a couple weeks ago I skipped you. Do you have any recruiting news you want to get out of the way before we jump into some of these reviews? No, not really. Let's go ahead and get into them. There's not much that's happened this week. Okay. Um, I was just wanting to give you the floor on that. didn't want to skip you. But Phil, Peyton, this week in Feast Week, four top five teams lost this week. It was uh, – you could call it the, the holiday hangover – you can call it whatever you want, but there was chaos inside the top 25, the top 10, and apparently in the top five was four of the top five teams losing. The only team that came out unscathed was Houston. Where they, they already are number one in the ECB top 25. Um, let's start with Maui, though. By the way, my banquet, I know we'll get to later. I will say I'm on the board for the banquet. I had Arizona beating Creighton. But before, like, guys – I thought, tell me what you think. I thought we saw out in Maui this week three potential Final Four teams. Arkansas, Creighton, Arizona, all three look dynamic. All three look explosive. And they all three look like they have the right pieces to make a run to Houston in late March, early April. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, Phil, go ahead and talk about Arizona because I heard you talk about them on the House of College Hoops podcast I listened to. Go check that out. Um, you and Jake were talking about them. And I knew you was very high on them. So talk about Arizona real quick. I mean, they, they're probably the most impressive team of the week. I would be shocked if they aren't ranked in the top 5 to 10 um, in the ECB poll and in you know the actual AP poll. But just the amount of scoring that they bring to the table and the different options they have is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I was talking with our uh, good friend of the show, Dan Vasta the other day about it. And they literally have an NBA front line with uh, Tabellis and uh, Omar Ballo. Those two guys, there's very, very few teams in the country that are going to be able to handle one of those two guys, let alone both on the same floor. Then you have Courtney Ramey. Obviously you have Kirk Risa who came back. Uh, coming off the bench, you have Adama Ball and uh, Cedric Henderson, who have both you know been really good pieces. Just again, they have probably six or seven guys who, on any given night, can give you twenty points, and it it's tough to stop that man. It's really tough to stop that, and we've seen it this week. Nobody could really slow them down offensively. San Diego State maybe did the best job, but uh, yeah, I'm curious to hear y'all's thoughts. Well, and San Diego State's known for their defense, and they still lost by seventeen. Arizona put up 87 on them in the semifinal at Maui. And then Creighton, that game got close at the end, but there was large stretches of the game. Arizona kept it at arm's length in the final against Creighton. And it just so happened uh, Creighton made a run. Ryan Nimhard was phenomenal this whole tournament. He looks like it, – it's hard to do comparisons this early, but I don't know if there's many other point guards in the country that I won't run in my team besides Ryan Nimhard. Maybe Kirk Reese, maybe a guy like Braden Smith from Purdue. But Ryan Himhard looks like 
one of the best point guards in college basketball right now. But Arizona, it, you mentioned it, Phil. It is so hard to stop them. Their defense is underrated because of the size. But, man, they can put points on you in a hurry. That offense Tommy Lloyd runs where it's constant motion. They pull you into a drag screen. you got to defend the roll because how big they are with a guy like Omar Ballo. But if you don't, if you overcommit on the roll like Creighton was doing, then you have pick and pop situations. I mean, they are explosive one through five. And fellas, how great was it to see Omar Ballo break out, especially in the Creighton game? I think that was his like uh, his coming of age story this week, was it not? Yeah. Well, and real quick before Peyton goes, just one thing I want to, the rebounding. I mean, with those two guys, they're going to rebound or out-rebound just about everybody in the country. And, I mean, like a team like San Diego State who already struggles to rebound, that was the difference in the game. They just could not buy a board when they needed it. Yeah, you know, both of those guys in the Creighton game, if you combine their rebounding, they'd have 20 rebounds just from those two. So, uh, Omar Bala had 13, he had 30 points, fucking came out, played 30 minutes, played huge. Um, if he does, if he if he doesn't play as well as he did, they probably don't win that game. They only won by two points, 81-79. Um, but Kirk Kusa, though, there's some plays that he almost had a double-double. He had 13 points and nine assists. He also uh, got three boards as a guard, too. So he played really fucking well, studying the waters, was hitting some shots. Um, didn't really turn the ball over too much. He played his ass off. But I don't know how many great teams are in college basketball right now since we're early in the season. We've seen a lot of upsets already. But... Arizona might be one of those great teams because their offense is just so explosive. They're so versatile. They got multiple guys who can score. Uh, their front court is fucking disgusting with Tubelas and Omar Ballo. Um, and plus, I'm, I've, I've always been a fan of Courtney Raymond and what he brings to the table. I'm looking forward, look, projecting ahead here in a few weeks. I can't wait for the Indiana-Arizona game because if there's a team, I mean, we thought San Diego State could do it, but – Indiana has got the size and athleticism to give them problems defensively. I can't wait to preview that in a few weeks. But what about the other two teams I mentioned? Creighton, Arkansas. They played one of the best games that we've seen early on in this college basketball season. Shot for shot, blow for blow. And keep in mind, Arkansas is doing this without Nick Smith. Once that brother gets back and healthy on the floor, Arkansas is going to look like the team we all predicted in the magazine in the preseason, they were already, in my opinion, ahead of schedule because I thought they would struggle even more so without Nick Smith. They are ahead of schedule. Uh, Anthony Black looks tremendous right now. Ricky Council, the fourth. Guys, what do we think of Arkansas and Creighton? And do you agree that those two look like Final Four teams coming out of this week? Yes. Um, the question coming into the season for Arkansas was how long will it take them to gel and really, because they're an inexperienced team. They got a, young, a lot of young freshmen out there, uh, young freshmen out there. Um, even without Nick Smith on the floor, they still got a lot of uh, talented freshmen on the court. Um, how long would it take them to gel? And we thought maybe it'd be second half of the year, maybe January-ish around that time, um, late December. But no, they're gelling well right now, even without Nick Smith. I mean, they put up 87 points against a team who's one of the most experienced teams in the Big East in Creighton. Um, the play of Wiki Council has impressed me a lot. He played 40 minutes, um, 24 points. That's like his, I don't know how many 20-point games he's had already, but he's had a couple. Um, him and Anthony Black, I mean, they had, what, 40 points combining those two, just from those two. Uh, the play of those guys has been fucking incredible. And Trayvon Bazil had 17-6 and six as well. 
Um, once Nick Smith comes back, it's going to be interesting to see uh, if Wiki Council and them scoring low kind of takes a step back. But if it doesn't and Nick Smith just comes on and gets about 15, 18 a game, then this Arkansas team, they're going to be tough team to face. Peyton, uh, real quick, Phil, uh, Ricky Council is only a second 20-point game, but he's had 22, 15, 19, 15, 24, 19. He's, uh, he's basically giving you about 17 and a half a night. And will you get that kind of production out of him to go along with Black and when Smith gets back? I'm telling you, this Arkansas team looks like the – they look like the best team in the SEC. And I know we're going to talk about Tennessee. Arkansas looks like the best team because they're doing it without a superstar who is awaiting to get the full clearance to come back. And it's only presumably going to make this team better. By the way, you didn't I don't even know if – did you mention Trayvon Brazil? Because in that Creighton game, he really kept them in that game, picking and popping, drawing a caught Grinner out. I, I love this Arkansas team. I don't know. I'm waxing poetic about them, but I love this Arkansas team. No, I'm with both of you guys. I I love them as well. And like you said, Josh, I wasn't expecting them to look this good without Nick Smith. But uh, a guy we didn't really mention much is Jordan Walsh. You know, he's probably one of the best defenders as a freshman, especially this early on in the season that I've ever seen. I mean, he is active on the defensive end has a long way to go offensively. I mean, he he's still a project there, but super athlete. Um, it's not very often you see a guy that young who's that willing of a defender. So very impressed with him. You mentioned Trayvon Brazil. He was just shooting absolutely lights out in that Creighton game and then had a big game against San Diego State as well, was knocking down a ton of shots. Um, my one concern with Arkansas is how physical they are. I, I think that's a big advantage in some avenues, but we've seen it bite them in the ass in that Creighton game. The referees were not officiating a great game, in my opinion, but at a certain point, you have to adjust to the officiating, and Arkansas never did, and they found themselves in the double bonus with nine minutes to go in the second half, and Creighton took advantage. I mean, there were some crucial free throws. The Arkansas bench took a technical. Um, there was a terrible um, intentional foul from Debo Davis. So this, they need to clean some of that stuff up. They're sort of that type of team who's like, we're going to just – foul you every time because there's no way the refs can call it but against Creighton they did so they're gonna have to adjust that a little bit well it's funny too because if you're watching Twitter live during that semifinal between Arkansas Creighton some of our uh, Big East friends and colleagues uh, didn't take too kindly to Musselman and Arkansas they uh they said that basically in the short-term things of it, that uh, they take on Musselman's personality where they cry and complain about everything. And I think that's a – there is some truth, obviously. You can see where Anthony Black will, you know, get fouled and they don't call it and he'll throw his arms up. But I think that's a universal problem. I don't think that's specific to Arkansas. But if you watch this Arkansas team and think that they're just a bunch of crybabies who don't get their way, then I think you're watching the wrong thing because this team is – They'll get after you. Yes, are they young? And will they trash talk and do all that stuff? Of course they will. But that's who their identity is. That's who Muss is. They've made two Elite Eight straights in the last two years. Because in part of that, they have guys with a lot of swagger. And I think Arkansas is going to feed off that. I think you're going to get a steady dose of it, especially once they start blowing teams out. They're going to let you know about it. And if you don't like it, I guess you just got to beat them. Uh, wrapping Maui up real quick. We had four or four, well, actually five real major teams coming in. Well, no, actually I take that back six. No offense to Louisville or Cincinnati, but 
we, we came in this tournament, it was loaded. Texas Tech, we knew was good. San Diego State, Ohio State, and then the three aforementioned Arizona, Arkansas, Creighton. Leaving Maui, what are our thoughts real quick after what we've seen on those? We know Arizona looks like a team that not only can make a final four, but win the title. Arkansas and Creighton, we both said coming out of this looking good, even with a loss apiece, potential final four teams. What about the other ones? How are we feeling about San Diego State? They lose two. Um, Ohio State drops a couple. Texas Tech, you know, I think their only win was they beat Louisville. So what do we think about those other three and moving forward this year? Go ahead, Phil. Um, well, I mean, first of all, San Diego State's pretty much right where I expected them to be. I know they lost a couple of times, but they, they you know, were competitive in both games. The Arizona game ended up being a 17-point game, but they, they were in that game for a lot of it. Um, there was a couple stretches that got away from them. I think the key for them is just going to be finding some consistent scoring. You know, the defense is great. It's going to keep them in game. It's going to allow them to play with anybody. But what separates the great teams from the good teams is having one or maybe two guys that can get you a bucket whenever you need it. And I'm not sure that they have that. So I, I still see them as a top 25 team, but I think they're going to struggle against those more elite teams, which is what we've seen this week. Um, Ohio State, I still think, is one of the top teams in the Big Ten. Super impressed with Bryce Sensabaugh still. A uh, little curious why he's not getting more minutes. He, he's coming off the bench, only played like 12 minutes in one of the games. Um, but it, he's lighting up, you know, offensively every time he plays. So I'll be curious to see if his minutes pick up. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I agree with your statement on San Diego State. I've been hearing people, uh, a lot of people complain that their defense isn't as good as it normally is, but they're top 15 in defense efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Uh, so I was trying to pull up right there. Um, so I was confused on why <clears throat> why the hell people are complaining that their defense isn't, isn't an elite defense. I mean, the 15th, and they held Arkansas to 74, Arizona to, oh no, Arkansas to 78. Um, Arizona did score 87 points on them, but Arizona's one of the best teams in the country, so I was confused on there. Uh, I mean, Morris, Arizona's averaging damn near 100 points a game, so to hold them to 87 is actually pretty good. It's, yeah, um, I agree, but everything else you said, Ohio State, I, mean, I think they're going to be a surprise team in the Big Ten. Um, we're going to talk about that probably here later on in a big game they got, Big Ten ACC Challenge, but you know, I think coming out of the Maui, I think we've at least seen one Clear cut Final Four team, maybe two. No, I, I'm I. I think one clear cut Arizona. Uh, yeah. I just they look like a monster this year. I think them and Houston look like the best two teams in college basketball. Throw in Texas in there as well. Um, and then I think, like I said, Arkansas Creighton showed that they have the run to get there. Uh, I love both both of those teams as well. So Maui always delivers. It feels like. Them rims are super soft. As a shooter, I always wanted to shoot out there because you can get some sweet rolls on that. You could not have your best jump shot and get a roll on them friendly soft rims. So I, I appreciate that. Um, I got that one right. I said Arizona of Creighton. Let's go to the other bi or bi big MTE. Let's go to the battle for Atlantis where I got that one right too. Man, it was, I had a good week of my predictions this week. Uh, Tennessee takes down Kansas. Uh, Tennessee handled Butler, and I told you last week, Phil, I love that upset prediction, but Tennessee had no part of that. They beat them 71-45, completely suffocated them. Tennessee, they tucked the loss to Colorado, which they got out-toughed, out-manned, out-played, out-coached, all of it. Rick Barnes says, enough of this shit. Now they're looking like Tennessee, we all thought. Suffocating, playing ugly style of basketball, 
get up after you, and they fucking suffocated Kansas in this final battle for Atlantis. I'm telling you, the Jayhawks probably should have lost to Wisconsin the night before in the semifinals. Kansas did not look good in this tournament, and Tennessee made them pay for it in the finals. Peyton, your thoughts on Kansas and Tennessee in the final? I think, like Cook said on the Facebook group, that it's really tough um, to play three days straight, and then on that third day, you play a team that's ran by Rick Barnes. I mean, that's that's tough to do. Uh, hats off to Tennessee. Dewan Harris in this game, he had two points. He fouled out, had four turnovers. It's never a good situation when your starting point guard has four turnovers. Um, so they did a good job. The guys Ziegler and, uh, and company, the guard play for Tennessee, did a good job of really making him frustrated and taking him out of the game. Grady Dick, who's been lighting the world on fire this year, um, he was only held to seven points, hit a couple threes. Jalen Wilson, who's been averaging fucking over 20 a game, almost put, I think, very close to averaging a double-double. Um, he had 14 points, three or 15 in the field. Um, Tennessee's defense was just too good. We couldn't hit shots. We shot... Uh, where the hell? 24% from three. Kansas has a big problem. Um, and it's the fact that we don't have one dominant big down low, at least a good big that we can trust to drop it down low um, and get us a bucket and really help us on the defensive end. Because if we're going to play small ball, the only way small ball works is if you're fi- the guy playing the five spot and stretching out hit shots. And Zach Clemens and KJ Adams cannot do so. So we're going to have to figure something out. But. You know, Tennessee, I mean, we knew it coming in. They're a great te- they're a good team, so. Hey, hey Phil, it, we know the recipe for Tennessee to win games. It's been like this since Rick Barnes got there. They're going to be physical. They're going to play hard nose on defense, and they're going to exploit you in offensive sets, whether it means going into a big guy that they have or hitting threes. They hit 12 threes against Kansas. And how about this? The Ken Palm MVP of this game was Jonas Idu. 23 minutes, five points, nine rebounds, two blocks, three steals from their six foot 11 sophomore. He wins MVP for Ken Palm of the game, despite Vescovi Evan 20 and Zakai Ziegler 14. Is there anything more Rick Barnes coach team than having a game that you dominate defensively and your big man who barely does anything scoring wise wins MVP? No, not really. And I mean, like you said, this is kind of just the absolute perfect Rick Barnes team. I mean, is there a more Rick Barnes player ever than Zakai Ziegler? You know, I know he struggled in that Colorado game. Um, Rick Barnes, like you said, was saying, I'm not having any more of this shit. Uh, Had him come off the bench the next game, I believe. Um, Had to earn his starting rollback. But he's been phenomenal since then. I do think it's worth mentioning how high, I mean, you mentioned how many they hit, but Tennessee was absolutely on fire from three in this game. They were hitting some stuff that was crazy. Vescovi hit a step back corner three where he like fell into the bench and just drilled it. Um, Ziegler was hitting some stuff that he normally wouldn't hit. So I do think the the blowout aspect of it was a little overblown because Tennessee hit some crazy shots, but they absolutely dominated, dominated this game from start to finish. Yeah, um, it, it's it, it's very Tennessee is what I was trying to say. It's very Tennessee. They want to play these games ugly. They know if they get in a track meet, it's not to their advantage. Leaving off on Kansas, though, Peyton, we did have the weakness concern coming into this year about the front court. And then when you play a team like Tennessee who is so big and they're going to pound the paint, you will get exposed if you are not up to par. 
You mentioned it. Um, some of your bigs didn't play. I mean, Zach Clemens, not necessarily a three-point shooter. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, not necessarily the, the back-to-the-basket post guy. Really your only true out-and-out big that you have on the on the team. Uh, he's 6'10". You've got Ernest Uday, the freshman, who played seven minutes, didn't really contribute anything. But other than that, you're not a big team. So is it concerning when you do play these big teams, because there's going to be more throughout the year that you're going to have to play, more physical type teams like Baylor, like Texas. Um, do you think you, Bill Self's been known to switch things up, go to a triangle and two, go to a box and one. Do you think when you play these bigger teams, you just have to pack in and zone or at least mix in man and zone and dare these teams to just bear you from three? Yep, we'll have to do something because we got completely shredded on the the glass. They had 45, we had 27, um, which doesn't really surprise me at all because Tennessee's always been a good rebounding team under Rick Barnes. But, uh, you know, it, I mean, it's going to be a struggle. We'll have to do something because once what you mentioned, once we get in Big 12 play, teams like Texas Tech, um, Texas, Baylor, uh, even a little bit like TCU and Kansas State and all the other Big 12 teams in there, I mean, they're just going to pound us inside and there's just nothing we're going to be able to do with it. I mean, KJ Adams, he's, his athleticism, like he can get up there and he can change a direction of the shot, but he's not strong enough to compete with um, the big guys down low, especially in the Big 12 Conference. I mean, so we'll have to figure something out soon. Either one of these freshmen, uh, you mentioned OD, um, whether he needs to get his shit together and get more minutes and help us out, or someone like Zach Clemens, who I thought was going to start at the five position coming into this year. Uh, we're going to need somebody to step up. If not, then we'll have to play zone or some shit like that. Yeah, I'd like to see him mix in a little zone, even a matchup zone, to slow some of that down. But the PK, we had the PK-85, we had the Phil Knight Invitational, and the Phil Knight, what is it, Classic, I think was the other one. Both of them, uh, Phil, I'll give you credit on this one, because both championships are today. And one of them, you have Iowa State, Connecticut. And I'm going to give you credit on the Iowa State one because last week we were doing the predictions. You had Iowa State. I don't know if you – you had them in the championship game, didn't you? You had them playing Alabama. And I I didn't see it, man. I I thought Iowa State was a middle-of-the-road Big 12 team. But if you remember last year, they started off hot. And here they are again. They're 5-0. and Wins over Villanova and wins over North Carolina. Carolina, we talked about it all season so far. They've not looked like the number one team in the AP poll. I know they've been winning, but they've been doing it very, very close. And they finally caught up with them. Iowa State beats them 70-65 in the semifinal. So on a two-part front here, how impressed with Iowa State are you? And North Carolina, I know on our Twitter page, kind of upset some North Carolina people who are a little bit touchy. But uh, thoughts on both, Iowa State and North Carolina? Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I still think Iowa State is probably more of a middle-of-the-road Big 12 team. I think that we're maybe seeing that they're probably going to be at least competitive for a tournament spot. But this, this loss is more about UNC and, and how they've looked. I, I only picked Iowa State not because I was super confident in how they would look, but just because this was the first test we were going to see for UNC and I had a feeling that they wouldn't be able to, you know, live up to the hype. And sure enough, you know, Baycott struggled in the second half. I think he only had three points. R.J. Davis and Caleb Love were both ice cold, turning the ball over. Um, you know, Pete Nance disappeared. Um, I just think this team is a good team. Don't get me wrong. UNC fans, like you said, got a little touchy by what we said. 
because I think they're thinking we're saying they're a horrible team. They're not going to be in the tournament, this or that. No, that's not what anybody's saying. But no, that's crazy. the way I put it is I would be more surprised to see this team as a number one seed in March than I would be to see it as a number five seed. And I really think they're a you know 20th ranked team, not a number one ranked team. Peyton? Yeah, uh, North Carolina. I mean, there's, they keep floating with danger. I mean, they struggled all season so far. Um, could have taken the L to Portland in that first-round game, but luckily they got their win on that. Um, they're going to lose eventually, and they got IU coming up this week on a Wednesday. Um, so now they got that loss out of the way. Now they, they should be motivated. They should be pissed off heading to the similar hall on Wednesday to face a tough uh, top-10-ranked IU squad. Um but I think the pressure got to them. No, last year they did not. Pretty much started out the same as they did last year. They fucking struggled most of the regular season. Then they started to put together late half of the season. They beat Duke, got into the tournament, and we all know what happened from there. Um, so I think it's going to take them a while to gel. The defense is not great. They can't stop anybody. Uh, Pete Nance defensively, even though he's a good three-point shooter and he helps out offensively, defensively he's just he's a liability. Uh, Caleb Love can't get out and defend. Neither can R.J. Davis. So they got to find their defensive identity. Once they do that, um, we'll see how they go. But yeah, tough loss on them. Yeah, Carolina doesn't look good. But real quick, I do want to shout out Connecticut because. Man, I didn't know what to expect this year. We knew a guy like Adama Sonogo had potential to be Big East Player of the Year, potential All-American. But this Connecticut team is just taking a life on its own. In the uh, semi, or was it semifinal against Alabama, or was it the first round game? I can't remember. One of these games of this tournament, they hit like 17 threes. I mean, they're not known as a great three-point shooting team. But they are shooting 38.5% best for 32nd in the country right now. And defensively is where they get after you. They got the 10th best defense in college basketball. Uh, This Connecticut team is super impressive. If they take down Iowa State today to win this tournament, start the year off 6-0, I'm telling you, Connecticut's another one of those teams with all the upsets inside the top 25 this week. Connecticut could easily be a top five team. I mean, actually, it would make them eight. No, I'm sorry. And it was the Oregon game. They blitzed Oregon. Talk about another disappointing team. They beat Oregon 83-59, hit like 17 or 18 three-point shots. If Connecticut's hitting threes the way they go with defense and pounding you inside, good luck. They might win the Big East this year. They might end up beating Creighton for the Big East title. And I'll tell you who's not going to win the Big East real quick, and that's Villanova. Villanova, yeah. Villanova lose. I mean, they're, they're awful right now. Like, we thought they would struggle without Cam Whitmore. We thought they would struggle. Did not think they would struggle this bad. They've got, what, four losses already? Portland beat them the other night. I mean, Villanova is in a bad spot. And I don't want to spend too much time on them, but they're two and four. Peyton, I think in our notes here, we have them down. This is their worst start since 1997. They got Oregon today in the last place game of that version of the PK. Fellas, they got Oklahoma coming up. Before Cam Whitmore comes back, how many more losses does Villanova take? I mean, first of all, that game against Oregon today is like a showdown for who's the most disappointing team in the country so far. Both of those teams were teams we expected to, you know, if not compete for their conference titles, at least be in the top, you know, three or four in their conferences and definite tournament teams. And it's it's looking like that's going to be a struggle in and of itself. But 
I mean, at this point, Villanova is looking like a team who may be, you know, bottom of the Big East. And at a certain point, and I, I'll put this to you guys, if they, you know, end up three and seven here, does Whitmore even come back? Or does well, he just decide to say, you know what, I'll just I'll just train all year and I'll go straight to the NBA because I don't have anything to gain by getting on the floor here. That's actually a really good point I've not thought about. And I was going to add on to that as well because I thought we had the same thought process. Not only does Whitmore decide not to come back, but say he's out for another five games. Their next five, including today, Oregon, Oklahoma, Penn, Boston College, St. Joe's. You would think that they could beat Penn, Boston College, and St. Joe's. But let's say they lose to Oregon and Oklahoma. That's six losses before the start of the new year. And then December 21st, they start conference play. St. John's, Connecticut, Marquette, Georgetown. The only win that seems possible is Georgetown. So you're talking nine, ten losses before January. Is this a team that even makes the tournament at this point? No, I mean, I think they've dug themselves such a hole at this point that, I mean, they have to turn it around quick. It, they would have to go four and one in that next five game stretch that you talked about and then steal one of those first, you know, obviously we think they're going to beat Georgetown, but they'd have to steal one of those other two games against UConn or uh, St. John's. And St. John's don't look easy right now. No, neither of those te- games will be easy. So, and I mean, that would still put them at six losses heading into the new year, which isn't great. Uh, <laughs> no, and especially- that's if they go on an absolute tear here. Yeah, and especially when you play in a pretty good Big East, we all think the Big East is pretty good. You got to play Butler twice. You got to play Providence, St. John's. Can I, I mean, can Creighton? Like this is a bad spot, and I know it's early, and we try to avoid the overreactions, but the early returns without Cam Whitmore, Villanova just can't score, nor can they defend off-ball movement. If you watch that Portland game, Portland does such a tremendous job moving off the ball, setting screens, slipping screens flaring out to the three-point line. Villanova can't guard any of it. And then when you can't score on top of it, I mean, their highest point game this year is 81 in the first game against uh, LaSalle. They scored 81. Then they've scored 64, 60, 71, 79, 71. Their offense is rated – well, actually, it says they have the 22nd best offense, but they can't be scoring offense. Look at that three-point percentage. Yeah. 31.3%, 31.3%, 245 in the nation. I mean, what's even worse is they're not defending the three. Nope. Teams are shooting 38% from them, like on from three. That puts them 295 in the nation. I mean, Villanova's got some shit to figure out in a hurry, with or without Cam Whitmore. They got to figure it out. Let's go to the other Phil Knight. Uh, I think this is the invitational one here. We got the final of Duke Purdue today. Duke, we talked about a little off-air, nice win against Xavier. Still not looking great, but they're doing enough to win, and so that's all that matters. I know people will be like, well, why are you giving them a pass about North Carolina? Well, North Carolina had higher expectations. They were the number one team. Duke, without a couple freshmen, now getting reintegrated. It's a little different. And Duke's played some people. They've played Kansas. They've played Xavier. North Carolina lost to the first good team that they played. So it's a little different. Um, But they're in the final. And I love this Purdue team. I said it last week on the show. I had this final of Purdue-Duke. I have Purdue winning this. You watched them carve up Gonzaga the other night. You talk about another team. It makes When I watched that, it made me even more furious. Calipari and Kentucky didn't exploit Gonzaga in a pick and roll because Texas did it to great effect. Michigan State did it to great effect. 
Kentucky thought that they could play two players in low block. It didn't work. Purdue did it to them, just high pick and roll them, moved off the ball, hit threes. Fellas, what are we thinking about Purdue and Duke coming into the tournament game? We'll save the predictions for a little bit later. But both teams looking through this tournament and how fucking impressive is Purdue right now? I mean, Purdue's uh, in the conversation for most impressive team in the country so far and, you know, for team of the week this week, for sure. I really think that their size, you know, obviously Edie is bigger than anybody, is going to give Duke issues. Derek Lively needs to step up today. Derek Lively needs to show what everybody thought, you know, he was a top five recruit, a one and done. It's looking right now like he's not either of those things. I mean, he's not showing anything offensively, and he really hasn't been great defensively. He's found himself in a lot of foul trouble, hasn't been a great rebounder. Um, He has to show up today. If he can give Edie problems, which his length should do, he's more athletic than Edie, um, then Duke has a chance. But honestly, I think, you know, we'll save the prediction, so I'm not going to say too much, actually. But I think Purdue could give Duke a lot of problems in this one. Peyton, thoughts on Duke-Purdue? Well, we've seen Purdue live at the Marquette yep. game. Very impressed with how well um, Braden Smith has been playing so far. Uh, to me, he's the difference maker. And if a uh, lawyer can continue to hit shots, obviously Zach Eady is going to be a beast down low. Um, defensively, Purdue, I wonder where they're at. I'm going to pull them up on Ken Palm real quick to see what they're ranked defensively, um, according to Ken Palm. Uh, they get the 38th ranked defense uh, so far. They get the 7th ranked see- offense. Which so doesn't far. seem like, if you watch in game, Purdue looks like they're a top 10 defense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But um, it's going to be interesting the game. Uh, I, I agree with Phil. I think Derek Lively has to come ready to play, not just on the defensive side of the ball, but offensively. He's going to have to get some buckets down low. Um, so, I mean, we'll see how this game's going to intrigue me a lot. Um, you know, my opinions on Duke has changed just slightly because I think Jeremy Roach has impressed me a lot so far this year. Um, but we'll see how this game plays out. No prediction. Real quick, yet. I do think that Lively, if Duke plays this correctly, Lively should be able to exploit Edie's kind of lack of athleticism because the main look they've been going to for Lively is just having him roll for an alley oop off of you know off the pick and roll, and he should be able to beat Edie on that consistently. But they have to look for it. I mean, he's been open a few times, and they just they their guards look so much to score coming off that screen that. It, it hasn't worked out, and he just straight up hasn't been on the same page as Roach a lot of times. They've missed a few easy alley-oops, stuff like that. So I'll be interested interested to see if they can exploit that look. Real quick, well, from both of you, real quick, thoughts on Gonzaga. We thought they bounced back. They looked great against Kentucky, but overall they've not looked up to par. They are having trouble defending on-ball screens. They don't know how to defend them. Their guards are still very, very hit or miss. Thoughts on Gonzaga – through six, seven games into the year. You mentioned it, just mainly concerned with the defense. I think the guards offensively come around at some point, start hitting some shots. But defensively, not only have they not been able to guard on-ball screens, but they've been getting killed in transition. Um, so if they if they don't get the defense better, they're going to be – obviously they're going to be a tournament team, but can they compete with the big dogs? I don't think so. If they fix the defense, I think it's the typical you know Elite Eight, Final Four, National Title contender. So it's just it's about the defense, which we say about a lot of teams. And the thing is, it doesn't get easier for them. They got Xavier tonight. 
Um, and then they got Baylor December 2nd on Friday. So, I mean, it doesn't get easier for them. Their schedule continues to get rough, as it always is. And then they start to go in the conference play, and they'll have plenty of time to figure out their defense and uh, guard play. But uh, I've been really unimpressed with Efton Reed coming in. I thought he'd be a lot better. Yeah, he's been a non-factor. He's, yeah, he's just – it's not like he – it's like when he's on the floor, they're playing five on four because it's like he's non-factor yep. on the court. So I think they got plenty of time, especially when they get into conference play. Especially when they bring him in for games like Purdue to match up yeah. against big uglies. Uh, he's struggling. Peyton, I'll give you 90 seconds. This is our weekly Louisville rant. 90 seconds on how bad the state of Louisville basketball is real quick. 90 seconds, go. Okay, Louisville sucks. We continue to suck, and we're going to continue to suck throughout the year. We might start 0-9. We can't score the ball. Oh, there's no fluidity on offense. KP, it's like he's not even on the sideline because he's not even really coaching the team up. Um, the effort still isn't there. We're turning the ball over way too much. And to be fair to LL, he has to do everything. He has to score. He has to defend. He has to distribute. So, of course, he has a lot of pressure on his shoulders. We should have gotten – we should have did a better job of going after guys like Tyrese Hunter, going after guys like um, Kendrick Davis. We should have did better to get him at least another solid guard option to help relieve the pressure um, offensively and defensively, but we did not. We got to deal with the hands that were dealt. We suck. We're going to continue to suck, and it's a rough time for me. Is that 90 seconds? No, that's close enough. With that, we're going to take our one and only break in the show, play some ads, pay the bills. We'll be right back after the words from our sponsors. SeatGeek, up next. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh here, and I'm here to let you know that we've teamed up with SeatGeek this season to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, and they are here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun and head over to SeatGeek, download their app, and use code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off of your first purchase. What's going on, everybody? This is Will Tondo, the co founder of House Enterprise, and I'm happy to announce that the Everything College Basketball podcast is now part of the House of College Hoops Network. We're really excited to bring you some premier college basketball content this season. So check out the website, www.house-enterprise.com for all of our content creators, all of our college hoop stuff, and we're excited to get this season rolling. What's going on, everybody? This is Conrad here from Everything Pro Wrestling, here to let you know that Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans, for the fans. Every Monday, we are live at 6.05 Eastern Standard Time with Clash of the Podcast, where you can listen to myself and my tag team partner, Sean Hubbard of Hubbard Wrestling Weekly, talk all the latest and greatest in pro wrestling. You might even find an old school topic or two as well mixed in. And every Wednesday, we go live on YouTube once again with AEW Dynamite post-show coverage. So at 10.05, head on over to the Everything Pro Wrestling channel and talk what we just saw on Dynamite with us. And did I mention that we are on all available audio platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Thank you so much for listening to me, and let's get back to everything college basketball. Thank you from a word from our sponsors. Hit up our boy Conrad over everything pro wrestling. Last night with Survivor Series, he's got all the post-show fallout. 
uh, an incredible main event inside War Games. Sami Zayn was the star of the show. If you want to hear everything about pro wrestling, go follow our boys Conrad and Everything Pro Wrestling on Twitter. Join their Facebook group. Just type in Everything Pro Wrestling in the search bar. Tell me CB sent you. They're good dudes, uh, friends of the show. Of course, the House Enterprises Network. Go visit our website, house-enterprise.com. And you'll find all the collection of the best college basketball coverage and writers in the game from top to bottom. Fellas, let's get into the previews of this week. We mentioned Feast Week was a big one. This week is another big one. I feel like from here on out, we're going to have big games every week. So it makes it exciting to talk about and preview. Let's start with the game today. We kind of talked about just a few minutes ago. Let's get into the actual predictions, though. Purdue and Duke in the final of, I think it's the PK Invitational. But they're playing at 3.30 today, Sunday, on ABC, out in Portland, Oregon. We kind of alluded to it. Phil, I want to hear your official prediction for this game. Duke-Purdue. Um, I mean, you guys know I'm a big Duke guy. Uh, I've seen them a lot in person this year. So I'm probably higher than them on just about – higher on them than just about anybody, excuse me. But I think Purdue takes this one, and I think they take it fairly easily. I think they exploit – their size, they exploit their experience, um, they exploit just being a fundamentally better team right now, and I think they handle Duke 80 to 66, and uh, hopefully that this is a wake-up call for the Blue Devils heading into this Ohio State game on Wednesday. Hey, real quick, um, you mentioned, I think you left off because you said you was going to save it, about what Derek Lively could and probably should do to negate Zach Eady. Uh, what was that? go a little high ball, not necessarily high ball screen, but drag him away from the rim if possible. Yeah. And just utilize his length. I mean, there's not too many guys in the country who have the length that Lively has that can actually give Edie problems, but he's just, he's got to be physical with him. Um, Offensively. Like I mentioned, he has to drag him away from the rim, come off ball screens hard and, and get to the rim. Um, I just – I'm not sure that he can do any of that stuff. He has, he has yet to show that he's able to do any of it. Um, I've seen him shoot in warm-ups. The kid can shoot the ball. He hasn't a single time shown it in a game yet. Um, so if if they do some of the stuff that we think he can do, then he could give Edie problems. But I don't foresee that happening, which is why I think Purdue just kind of takes it to him. Here's what I think Purdue does as well. I think you'll definitely see Edie on him. But if what they did against Gonzaga is any indication – it wasn't always Edie on Timmy. And Timmy had some success. He had that nice little baby hook fading away to the baseline. He had some moves on him. But they will, to keep Edie on the floor longer, they will put Caleb First and Mason Gillis on Derek Lively. That's where Lively has to eat. He's not probably going to do it as much against Edie. But if they put Mason Gillis and or Caleb First on him for stretches of this game, that's where he has to go to work. Because that might be his only opportunities. It might be the only opportunities. And Gillis, he'll have better success against first than with Gillis because Gillis is a tank. But I think if Purdue continues to do what they do and switch Edie off to save for foul trouble or whatever, I do think Lively has to realize that those matchups are in his favor and attack the rim hard there. If not, I don't know if he's going to get that much on Edie. Um, I mean, he will not be able to post Edie up and score on him that way. He's definitely, if he's going to score on Edie in that matchup, it'll have to be through using his athleticism um, and, and them creating looks for him. Because like you said, Edie's just, he's a mo- you're not going to move him in the post. And Lively he- hasn't shown really any flashes of having, you know, an advanced 
post game footwork wise either. So this is one of those games that I wish that a guy like Derek Lively or or Duke in general had this stretch five man to pull Edie away because that's the one weakness. Edie's not going to hang out by the three point line, hedge screens, and stay out and switch. If Duke could run some offense for a guy who could pick and pop and make Edie come away from the rim, I think they'd have better success. And- and I'll be curious to see if they try to get Filipowski in that matchup with Edie for that exact reason, because Filipowski, while he doesn't have the size, like strength wise, he has the height. Oh um, no, he's a big kid. Yeah. So I think they could exploit that matchup, but again, it's just, it's about how Purdue decides to guard them as well. This is where they're missing. I mean, overall, but this is where they're really missing. I like Paolo who's six, nine, six, 10, that could pull you away from the rim, do all that all the stuff off the bounce. Um, so you got Purdue 80, 66. I'm going to stay in that same vein. I love this Purdue team. I think they are a nightmare to defend with all their shooters on the floor. Then you got to worry about the big guy down low. And I think the most impressive point guard in the country, besides a guy like Kirk Reza or Ryan Nimhart, has been Braden Smith. And I, I tweeted it from uh, our ECB Twitter the other night watching the Gonzaga game. Braden Smith, already in five or six games in his college career, is a floor general. He's a guy that you want as a point guard. He's got all the tools. He's got good vision, good decision-making. He's calm and steady. He hits shots. Um, he sets everybody else up. He is going to be a nightmare today. Fletcher Lawyer hitting threes. Mason Gillis picking up. Brandon Newman's been phenomenal this year. Love this Purdue team. I think they've got the tools to make a – I think they're a better team this year than they were last year when they were ranked number one with Jaden Ivey. I think they're a better overall team. And I think that's scary for the rest of the Big Ten in the country. I'm with you. I got Purdue. uh, I'll say they win 84-72. And I don't know if it's going to be that close. It might be close at the end. But I got Purdue pretty controlling this game, especially in the second half. Well, I guess say might be opposite day. I guess I'm the Duke defender this week because I think Duke wins this game. I mean, no matter what, I think both teams is going to have to, who's going to hit shots. I mean, both of those teams are Duke shooting 31% from three. Purdue's not shooting too much better. They're shooting 33% from the three. Um, Duke's offense is ranked 13th. Purdue's offense is ranked seventh. Purdue or Duke does have slightly better defensive efficiency rating than Purdue 32 or 22 to Purdue's 38. But the biggest difference for me is Duke is the number one ranked team in offensive rebounding percentage. They're going to be able to. I know with Zach Eady on the floor, it's going to be tough to get off of the glass. But if the ball, if it's a long rebound, then I trust Duke and Dewey Whitehead and all those other guys getting the rebound, and getting on the transition, and getting some fast break points. Um, I think Jeremy West is going to come to play. He's going to take care of the ball. Uh, I think Duke. Duke wins in a low-scoring defensive battle, 67-61. to 61. It's interesting you, you bring up the rebounding too, Peyton, because it's not necessarily their big men all the time. They have great rebounding from their guards and from their wings. Yep. I mean, Proctor is an excellent rebounder for like a wiry 6'5", 17-year-old kid. It's, it's yeah. pretty amazing. Um, do you think in this, because I, I think the three-point line, like most games, but I think in this one especially is going to be a factor. Do you think Duke has to hit over under seven threes to win this game? I think really both teams have to. One of them, whoever hits seven threes or more is going to win this game. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think if Duke hits seven threes, that completely changes the game for them um, because they, like you mentioned, they're only shooting 31% right now. Whitehead's shot hasn't really come around yet. Filipowski's shot is sort of hit or miss. I know his percentage is pretty good, but he's missing a lot of open looks that he could be converting. 
Um, if Duke comes out and knocks down their shots, this is a completely different game. I, I'm looking at a guy like Jacob Grandson. Played at Illinois, knows this Purdue system. I'm wanting to see him finally step up and hit some shots. He came in as a dude who, an experienced guy, could make buckets. I, I don't think he's played bad, but I want to see today him step out, create some offense for himself. I, I want to see him hit the open shot, get to the rim, distribute. I, I just want to see more out of him today. I don't know. I don't think that's unfair. I just I think I want to see more because I know he can be capable of more. But uh, we got two for Duke or two for Purdue, one for Duke. Let's stay with the Big Ten ACC Wednesday night. This is the one I'm looking forward to the most. North Carolina won't have that one by their name, but they're rolling to Assembly Hall against an unbeaten Indiana team who is just throttling teams. Still, they played the close one against Xavier. Good win. Throttle Jackson State. Just beating the hell out of teams. Doing it without Trace Jackson Davis, always have to play a bunch of big minute role. Um, what do we think? Because I've got Indiana winning this. I think Assembly Hall instantly is worth six points. That crowd's going to be electric. I think you can give Indiana six points right now before the start of the game. That crowd is going to carry them. Indiana has to hit shots. Obviously, we talked about, we know their weaknesses. Three-point shooting, free throw shooting. If they can hit some shots, and the way North Carolina has been very lackadaisical, kind of sleepwalking through this early part of the year. Indiana, I think, rolls North Carolina. I do not, unless Carolina, this loss is the best thing for them to wake them up. I do not want to go to Assembly Hall playing an unbeaten Indiana team that's going to be ranked inside the top 10, that's going to have the, the crowd behind them. I'm thinking it's a 9 o'clock tip time, 9, 9.30. It's going to be a late game. I don't want to play Indiana at Assembly Hall right now. And as long as TJD stays out of foul trouble and you get good Xavier Johnson, I've got Indiana rolling North Carolina because Carolina wants to run and push the action. And I know Indiana is a half-court team, but do not fall asleep. Indiana does want to get in transition at the right moments. If this turns into a track meet, I think Indiana is fine with it. But their defense, if North Carolina cannot manufacture shots, if they're relying on Caleb Love to bail them out in a late shot clock setting or Pete Nance to hit like he did, against Portland, then I, I think Carolina is in real trouble in this game. I've got Indiana rolling on 91-70. I'm telling you, I think Indiana not only wins, but sends a statement out. Well, you mentioned it, Josh. I think that that loss UNC had was the best thing for them. I think they know coming into this game that <clears throat> this is the real measuring stick for them. If they have another loss, let alone an embarrassing loss, the narrative – all of a sudden becomes exactly what it was last year before they went on that tournament run. Is Hubert right for this job? Can they live up to the hype? Can he live up to the hype? I think Carolina answers the call in this moment. I think they win 80-76. It's going to be a close game. The interesting thing for me will be to see how much Indiana can exploit Armando Baycott in the pick and roll. We talk about how you know great Baycott is as a rebounder, as a scorer. We seen it all last year. Teams exploited him in pick and roll defense repeatedly. That first Duke game, Duke killed them with that look. So if you know, if Indiana goes to that consistently and is able to abuse him, which they may be able to do with, you know, TJD, it could be a different game. But I think Carolina gets out and runs, shoots the ball well, and, and gets a W to sort of prove to us that they are among the top 10, 15 teams. 
Yep, I agree 100% with Phil. North Carolina wins this game. Uh, I think they win 76 to 71. Um, North Carolina's not shooting the ball well from three. They're only shooting 30.8% from the three, but it's going to be one of those games where they just light it up. Because we've seen R.J. Davis and Caleb Love get hot. And when they get hot, it's going to be tough for uh, Xavier Johnson and company to stop. And Josh, you mentioned that which Xavier Johnson is going to get. We're going to get a good Xavier or bad Xavier? Well, so far, so far. It's been good, Xavier, the whole season so far. So far, but now this is their toughest test that they had all season long. He's going to have to be good. It's going to be a lot of pressure on his shoulders. It's going to be a lot of pressure on TJD to stay out of foul trouble because Baycat will go after him, especially when it comes to offensive glass because I don't know if there's too many. Maybe Oscar's definitely better, but I don't know. Uh, according to offensive rebounding percentage, I mean, North Carolina's up there, you know. Mondo Burkett's as good as offensive rebound there is in the country. And uh, I know it's not Thanksgiving, but North Carolina, wake up, because it's feeding time in Assembly Hall. Well, I do want to say this, too. North Carolina, we've talked about their struggles, right? UNC Wilmington, Charleston, they were winning those games. But this week, out in Portland, they play Portland and give up 81 points. They play a good defensive team in Iowa State, were held to 65. They got Alabama today. That's another tough one. We didn't even mention that. Indiana's going to be by far and away the best defense that they've played. The only other one that they played was Iowa State, and they didn't even crack 70 points. Indiana's defense, especially in Assembly Hall, is going to be loud and electric and talkative. And I don't feel good about North Carolina. I'm not saying they can't win this game. If you tell me North Carolina wins, then I'm not going to be shocked. But I think this is a brutal one. For North Carolina, I think Indiana realizes that they've got a big opportunity to show to the world that they are exactly who we predicted them to be. And I think that Xavier win was a program changer because that's a game we talked about that they don't win in years past. The fact that they were able to go to Xavier and win, now they're at home against North Carolina. I like this Indiana team, and I think that they're going to do some damage to North Carolina. Um, we've got... Creighton, number 10 Creighton at number four Texas on Thursday evening. What a fantastic game this is. Defensive, both teams are solid. Offensive, both teams are fun. This is a brutal one, but it is at Texas. We've seen the Moody Center. We've seen what it did at Gonzaga. Peyton, I'll let you take first volley on this one because this is a fun one on Thursday evening. Yep, I agree. Uh, this is going to be a hell of a game, and I can't wait to watch this. But the fact that it's in Texas and not at Clayton or even at a neutral site game, um, I think that favors Texas pretty heavily. Uh, you mentioned it's an extra six points when you play at Assembly Hall. It's the same thing when you go to the Moody Center in Texas. That place is going to be fucking ridiculous. Uh, Texas wins this game pretty high scoring. I say about 83 to 78. Um, Texas gets the job done. and shows why they're a top five team, maybe top three team in the country. Yeah, I think this Texas-Creighton game looks very similar to the uh, Creighton-Arkansas game the other night. Texas is the number three defensive team in the country. They're going to play physically. I think it's going to give Creighton a lot of issues. And uh, I think the outcome just flips from uh, the Arkansas-Creighton game. And Texas edges Creighton out in a close one, 85-82. I will go with the Texas three-step here on the sweep because I'm, I'm with you, Texas. If this game was on a neutral floor, I'd feel a little better about Creighton. And I don't think this is a not to Creighton because we all just, we spent the first part of the show blowing them, basically. I just think Texas is that good. And you play at that Moody Center. We've seen the Gonzaga game. It is loud. It is rowdy. 
and Texas is a really good fucking team too. So I, I'm with you guys. I think Texas wins this. I think Creighton has enough pieces on both ends of the ball to keep this entertaining. I, I've got Texas 75-69. Um, I think this is going to be a fun one. Let's go to the other, before we get to the Baylor-Gonzaga, let's go to the other Big Ten ACC games real quick. We'll just pick a couple out. Phil, you're going to be there in attendance for the Ohio State-Duke game. It's in Cameron Indoor. I know you love this Ohio State team. We just talked about Duke and how they've looked so far. Uh, give us your predictions ahead of your uh, your arrival in Cameron. Um, I think that Ohio State can compete with anybody in the country. I think they have a lot of talent on the floor that we underestimate. But I think Duke has a little bit more. I think after, you know, if they lose today, which was my prediction, I think they'll be looking to bounce back big time. And I think we finally see a big game out of Derek Whitehead. Hopefully uh, see a big game out of Bryce Sensabaugh for Ohio State. Looking forward to seeing him. But I like Duke in a tight one. I'm with you. Uh, sorry, Peyton. I, I'm with you on that one. Um, Ohio State still got to show me a little bit more. I like Sensabaugh. Uh, they, they've got the West Virginia transfer, Sean McNeil, can light it up. We've seen him Maui. He, he can absolutely stroke the ball. Experienced guy. But I, I think Duke being at Cameron, especially if they were to lose the to Purdue today, I think that's going to motivate them even more. Already two losses on the year potentially. Or if they win the Purdue game, could give them a big boost. Either way, I think they come into the Ohio State game being at home. I think they find a way to make things work. I think you're right. This could be the game that Dark Whitehead maybe breaks out of his shell and gets back to to top form. I've got Duke winning this one as well, 84-77. Um, I'm going the complete opposite. Duke beats Purdue on Sunday or today, um, and then they turn around and lose to Ohio State at home. Uh, Ohio State is, I mentioned with Duke, the number one offensive rebounding team in the country right now. Uh, Ohio State's right there, they're 15th. Um, Ohio State's also 16th in free throw percentage and 46th in two-point percentage. Also, they're the fifth-ranked offensive team in according to Ken Palm. They're going to be able to get some buckets and score some points. Uh, Ohio State wins 78-69. to 69. Um, Some other Big Ten ACC games. We'll just go around the horn if anything else stands out to you. Phil... I, I've, since I've been sick, I forget. Who does Illinois play in the challenge? Syracuse. Syracuse. Oh, yeah. That should be. I mean, that's in the Carrier Dome, right? Um, Off the top of my head, I actually think it's in Champaign. Uh, okay. Is it in Champ? It is. Oh, you're right. It is in Champaign. Well, shit. That's even easier. Syracuse is not a good ball club. I mean, Illinois covers the spread. I think Ken Palm has them by 10. Surely they win by that much or more, right? I would think so. I mean, the only real explosive or impressive piece Syracuse has to me is Judah Mintz, who may or may not be suspended for this game by the time it rolls suspended. around. So, um, oh I, I think Illinois probably handles them very easily and, you know, by 20-plus. How many threes does Shannon hit against that zone? Five. Yeah, he's not a field day. Well, I mean, him, he, I, him and Mayer. Well, and they have just absolutely no athleticism to even get out on shooters in that zone. I mean, Girardi, as good of a shooter as he is, is going to get abused defensively all year long. <laughs> yep. Uh, hey, do we, do, by 15. Do we have Virginia on upset alert? They do go to Michigan to play in the challenge. Uh, I know Michigan's been very up and down, you know, five and one. They lost Arizona State embarrassingly. Uh, do they have enough? I, I think they do. 
I think they do. I think Virginia wins this game just on merit. But, I mean, who the hell is going to guard Hunter Dickinson for Virginia? I think Michigan could win the game. I just don't think they will. Um, I like Virginia. And I think it, it will take a big game from Jet Howard and Hunter Dickinson for Michigan to pull this one out. Um, if Hunter Dickinson one has a good game, he's got to shut to out hit some mid range jump shots because they're gonna lock that paint up. I mean, he still he still might get some uh, paint touches and score in the paint, but it's not gonna be enough. Virginia wins pretty comfortably, whatever the spot is. All right, and then we got the uh, we got a couple more this week. We got number seven Baylor versus number six Gonzaga in oh, South my. Dakota. We got a rematch from the title a couple years ago, fellas. We've talked about Gonzaga. Their inability to defend the pick and roll, and you don't think Scott Drew is not going to exploit that, and they're a tough-minded team, and they're going to have the best freshman on the floor, bar none, and Keontae George. What I'm getting at is, does Gonzaga drop another game, and if so, by how bad? Because I've got Baylor winning this one. Everything points to Gonzaga maybe losing another one, which is why I – think they buck the trend and they managed to knock Baylor off here as as good as Baylor is you know with the guards and you know you mentioned Keontae George do they have somebody that can match up with Timmy we'll see there they could still give Gonzaga a lot of trouble defensively but I think Gonzaga steals this one what you don't like Flo Thamba <laughs> I mean he's he's fine he's a college level you know big man he's not the worst in power five by any means he, and he's he's a big boy, but I think Timmy takes it to him. To be fair, does anyone have anything to match up with you, Timmy? You know, even yeah. against Oscar, even against uh, Zach Eady, and you know, maybe Cisco, he's still able to get what they he would wants, if so. they would blow the whistle on all of his damn travels. Oh, yeah. I think, and I think the different, you know, yeah, he still had good games against those teams, but if you're able to limit. Timmy to under 20 and 10. I think that's a success, to be honest. The, the pro- We've said the problem's not Timmy. He's going to get his and do what he does. The problem is everybody else. Gonzaga's backcourt, if they show up like they did against Kentucky, which Kentucky gave them free shots going under screens, if they show up, they're fine. If not, and Anton Watson doesn't do nothing, and Julian Strother struggles, Gonzaga does not look good. Good in the sense of what we're used to yeah. You know, they're not a bad team, but good in the sense that we're used to. If those guys can step up and help Timmy, because Timmy's going to get his, then Gonzaga's fine. If not, and they have to solely rely on Drew, then Gonzaga loses these big games. Point blank, period. Yep. Uh, I like Baylor winning this game. Not a dominant fashion like they did in the national championship game, but I think it's going to be a closer one. And, you know, we mentioned that Gonzaga's defense isn't great right now. They got a lot of defensive identity problems so far. And Baylor, to me, has the best backcourt in the country. So they're going to have a different time stopping them. Baylor wins and a close one. All right. Uh, that's pretty much I mean, they got the Big 12 Big East challenge this week. Well, hey, I don't know. Is there any really big games that stand out in that challenge this year? Kansas Seton Hall, I think. Kansas should yeah, win that one. There was one I had. I don't fucking remember. I know. We already talked about cutting Texas. Um, yeah. No, not really. I'll tell you what, though. Go back to the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Louisville's getting beat by Maryland, so there you go. Oh, Maryland's good. Maryland's yeah, good. Cracked top 25 this last week in AP poll. Should have cracked our top 25. I was disappointed our voters didn't vote them in. I thought they deserved it. Yeah, they were close. They were in the others receiving votes. We had a few people who had them in, um, but yeah. 
surely they're in this. How it goes? Surely they're in this week. I would um, think so. This isn't like a big preview. I do want to talk just real briefly before we get out of here. Kentucky Bellarmine tomorrow night or Monday evening. If the Cats fall asleep at all, Bellarmine gets them. They have to stay locked in. They have to defend all the moving parts that Bellarmine brings. If they play up to their potential, do all the switching, do all that stuff, Kentucky wins this game handily. If they fall asleep even the slightest bit, this game goes down to the wire. We've seen it. We've seen what Bellarmine's capable of. And if it goes down the wire, give me Scotty Davenport. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think Bellman gives him trouble for a half in the first half. Duke, yep. or, uh, excuse me, Kentucky adjusts to it and pulls away in the second half, very similar to the Duke game. By the way, real quick, we were we had planned on getting permission to use uh, our buddy John Font- or Fanta's. Uh, he, he had an epic rant the other night about Kentucky on the field of 68, and we never did get the permission to use it, so we'll out of respect we won't use it, but – Basically, he summarized it. He went on this little five-minute tirade about Kentucky's talent is there. They The coaching's not matching up to the talent. Yep. Basically, Cal is using offense dated back to 1999 with two low-post guys. He is not adjusting. He's getting out-coached by Izzo, by Few, by other of his contemporaries. He's getting out-coached. It is not a talent problem. It is a coaching problem. If you haven't listened to the rant, Go find that on the field of 68 from earlier this week. Listen to Fanta because what he says in that tirade is spot on perfect period. John hit it the nail on the head. Calipari has to adjust or else Kentucky will continue to struggle. They've got Michigan and London next Sunday that we'll preview. Um, That's a tough one if they do not adjust to the different intricacies of offensive basketball and game planning and scouting. But just wanted to throw it out there, show some love to John Fanta. Uh, team of the week this week. Phil, I know it was down between potentially a couple teams, but I feel like we had to go Arizona team of the week this week. Yeah, had to. That showing in Maui was just too impressive. I mean, they they played two really tough teams and came away with victor, uh, victories. And then, I mean, not to knock Cincinnati, but um, you know, two ranked teams that they came away with victories over. Offense looked super impressive. I don't think there's really another choice. Now, if Purdue wins today, they we maybe missed an opportunity, but no, I think I think Arizona had to the, the wins that they had. I, I think we had to, um, and then the mid major team of the week, you could have went with Portland. I know they didn't beat North Carolina, they did beat Villanova. They've looked super impressive, but we're going Charleston six and one on the year. They only lost to North Carolina in a game which they were in the majority of that game until North Carolina went on a run late. They've got wins over Chattanooga. Richmond, Davidson, Colorado State, Virginia Tech, and a feisty Kent State team. Um, Charleston looks pretty freaking good right now. They look like a real factor in the Colonial Athletic Conference, and their schedule shapes up nicely going into conference play. And, I mean, they got Old Dominion, the Citadel, Presbyterian. Ken Palm has them favored up until the Towson game on December 31st, which we know how good Towson is, or Towson, I should say. This looks like a, the makings of a tournament team and a potential upset round one type team. Charleston, our mid-major team of the week. Anything to say real quick on Charleston? Yeah, they not only are they really good this year, but Pat Kelsey is building a program there. They have two kids from North Carolina coming in next year in their recruiting class. One of them is top 60 in the country, Isaiah Coleman, a really good 6'5 guard. And they also have a, a 6'8 forward, Mayor Wall, coming in who's 164th in the country. Um, I mean, places like 
College of Charleston just usually don't get kids of that quality. So they're already having success and look primed for success in the future. So big shout out to Pat Kelsey. Yep, there's a reason I had them finishing third in us uh, Colonial League preview for the magazine. Uh, they lost a lot last year, lost three double-digit scores, but they're still finding ways to win ball games, and they still got a good team this year. So shout-out to both Arizona and Charleston. Let's go to the bank on it as we start to wrap this episode up. Well, as you see when you watch this on the YouTube channel, you'll see the records for the season. I've got my first win this week with Arizona winning Maui. Peyton's at one and two as well, and Phil the big 0-3. So, Phil, we'll take you the first chance to get a win this year in the bank on it. Let's hear it for this week. Uh, I'm I'm taking an easy one. I'm taking a, a gimme layup here, and I'm going to say <laughs> bank on it. The Big Ten wins the Big Ten ACC Challenge. I think that's fair. I, I think that's fair. Got to get on the board. Like I said last I, week. Yeah, man. I got to. You know, I'm, I'm over three. I'm not out here J.R. Smith and that shooting without a conscience. <laughs> you know, I got to. I got to get on the board here. Yeah. Peyton. Yeah, I'll go next. Um, it's not a bank on it, but I do think uh, the Big Ten wins ACC Challenge. So I do agree with Phil on that one. Uh, but that is a gimme. Uh, my bank on it is in the North Carolina Indiana game. Um, Pete Nance goes for 25 points or more. Oh, This is okay. his coming out game. They're going to need him to stretch it out, hit some shots, really make that defense, Indiana's defense uncomfortable because you mentioned how good they def- are defensively so far this year. So all the pressure is going to be on Pete Nance. Pete Nance goes for 25 or more. Yeah, he had 27. I think it was the Portland game he had 27. So see if he can keep it hot. I'm going to go a parlay bet. I- I'm feeling myself after last week. My predictions have been pretty good the last week or two. I'm going to go parlay, double bank on it. Indiana, I'm staying steady in that. They are beating North Carolina on Wednesday night. They are beating North Carolina. And then Louisville. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't bank on that. Save my life. (laughs) Um, Indiana beats North Carolina. And the other one, I've got Baylor beating Gonzaga by eight or more. Eight plus. Double bank on it. Combo parlay it. Take it to the biz inc. That's your bank on it of the week. Let's go to the shout-out, Peyton. Shout-outs of the week. Two shout-outs. Um, Grady Dick, even though we did lose to West and Tennessee. I had to think of their fucking name for a minute. We did lose to Tennessee in the Battle for Atlanta's championship. Uh, but so far this season, I don't know if you can say there's a better freshman in the country right now since Nick Smith and Cam Whitmore hasn't played a single Miller. possession. Brandon Miller. Uh, maybe him, but Grady Dick's putting up fucking numbers. This dude's shooting 50% from three. And then, Come he on. and then he disappeared against Tennessee, though. But they got good defense. I mean, what else? He can't just go 50% from three like every fucking game. But he has. That's the first game he hasn't went 50% from three. <laughs> he went 60% from three against, uh, who was? Oh, the first game against NC State. I mean, this kid's just fucking balling. This, the dick is stroking, boys. It's stroking. It's stroking pretty damn good. Better hope he doesn't go limp in the later part. Uh, he probably will. Uh, no, he already did that against Tennessee. Um, second shout-out goes to a guest that we had two weeks ago, uh, Will uh, Tondo. You tuck mine. You tuck uh, it. 
Tuck it. Go ahead. Ass. Uh, Will Tondo, Heavenly, oh, no, not Heavenly College Basketball, House of College Hoops, House Enterprise, the CEO. He predicted two weeks ago that Bryant would upset Syracuse, and boy, oh boy, did they ever. They won 73-72, to took down the Orange Men, Syracuse. Uh, they was up 40-29 to at halftime, and Syracuse started to come back, and uh, it was a scuffle. Judah Mintz is a little bitch, fucking slapped Doug Eater right in the fucking face, and then Doug Eater responded with a slap of his own. Um, and then so, backpedaled. <laughs> and then, yeah, he backpedaled once fucking Syracuse started coming after his ass. But, uh, you know, congrats to him. He caught it two weeks ago. And uh, yeah. Bryant, I mean, they got some dudes. You got Earl Timberlake. I mentioned Doug Eater. Um, Bryant's good, man. Good pick on him. So shout out to well, him. That's you- it. Since you took my shout out, uh, I was going to shout out Will for the his correct bank on it two weeks ago. So I'll go a different route. Shout out to uh, head coach Grasso from Bryant for not putting up with Jim Beheim's crybaby bullshit. Beheim tried to scold him after the game, and Grasso went all Italian with him. He was like, hey, fuck you. Fuck you. He said, I'm not going to put up with your bullshit. And Beheim was bitching and complaining about it. Jim, I think the game's passed him by. He should have retired six, seven years ago. So good on head coach Grasso for building this culture of fuck you, us against the world mentality. So shout out to head coach Grasso and the Bryant program and our friend Will Tondo for the correct prediction. And I guess the other shout out would be um, non-college basketball, the United States men's national team for making us all proud against those dirty, rotten, bastard English people who think their shit don't stink. It's soccer, damn it. And we outplayed them for 90 minutes, and I don't want to hear nothing else. We just were very unlucky we didn't get a goal. So those are my shout-outs for the week. I'll keep mine pretty uh, short and sweet. Arizona front court, Azulis Taboulas and uh, Omar Balo both balled out this weekend – or this week, excuse me, in Maui. Cabellus goes for 30 against Cincinnati, gets in a little foul trouble against San Diego State and Creighton, but still 14 and 12 in those games, averaging 19 and 8 on the year. Then Omar Balo, two monster games, has 21 and 10 against Cincinnati, and then 30 and 13 against Creighton in a matchup with Ryan Kalkbrenner, um, also averaging 19 points, 10 rebounds a game this year. You know, those two guys are probably the most dominant front court in the country. No, I, I completely agree with that, especially early on. Well, we went a little longer than we thought, but a little shorter than nor- most episodes. Uh, being under the weather will do that to you. We got other things. It's a big day in sports. Packers play tonight. See if they can disappoint us again. Uh, World Cup's on right now. Big Germany-Spain clash going on here in just a little bit. College basketball around. We made it through Feast Week. Now we turn our attention to some bigger games as well with the Big Ten ACC. And then as we move forward, we got a lot of non-con big-time games before we get into conference play. By the way, conference play starts this upcoming week in some conferences. Illinois and, conference play. Illinois and Maryland, I think, on Friday night. So we're getting some conference action. Yeah, I think the Big Ten has everybody playing like a random conference game either this week or next. So we get some conference play coming up but i hope you guys enjoyed this uh post-holiday edition of everything college basketball episode 123 again shout out to our sponsor beauty to beast nutrition shout out to our our parent club in uh house enterprises slash house of college hoops 
Go check out all of our great teammates' work over there at houseenterprise.com. Go check out our friends, Everything Pro Wrestling. They'll get you covered up or caught up on all the post-Survivor Series talk from last night. And I hope you guys had a good weekend. Back to reality tomorrow after if you were fortunate enough to enjoy the extended break, the couple days off like I was. But we got some more college basketball, big-time clashes coming up this week. Make sure you're locked in here to eat everything college basketball for all the latest breaking news, updates, predictions, previews, and everything under the sun. Wrapping up episode 123 for Peyton, for Phil, and for Corey, who is not here with us today. We hope you guys enjoyed this. We will catch you next week for episode 124. Until then, enjoy the rest of your time off, and we will catch you down the road.